the place that my stubbornness has really, really served me has been in my physical and mental health and just not giving up. Like there is a fucking answer somewhere and I'm not giving up until I find it. Hey, midlife ladies, welcome to the Dear Midlife Podcast. We're your hosts, Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom and an extrovert to a fault. And Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired little girl living in a grown woman's body that's still full of sass with a sprinkle of some black girl men. So girls, grab a glass of wine or your beverage of choice and join us for some unapologetic girl talk that will help you to remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. Let's go. While Heather Wild Smith is an ethical business coach with a passion for helping online coaches sell their services without feeling like they're selling their souls, she's also adept at deep transformational coaching through structured journaling, anger work, and energy healing. In this episode, we focus on Heather has triumphed over breast cancer and navigated a challenging relationship with a narcissistic father and has been able to reinvent her life at 46. She shares with us her approach to journaling as a tool for healing past traumas and old wounds so that you can live a life you love. Ladies, if you find yourself in midlife feeling like you're stuck and trying to figure out who you are, keep listening to the Dear Midlife podcast and leave us a review to let us know how you're using the tips provided by our guests on this podcast. Thank you so much for your support. And now, without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Heather Wildsmith. Hello, Dear Midlife listeners. We are here today with Heather Wildsmith. I love that name, Heather Wild. Such a great name, right? Yes. She is an ethical business coach and the author of the Online Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. She has had ladies and like, I was going to say ladies and gentlemen, but girls. We've got two gentlemen listening, two gentlemen. <laughs> We've got, we got, got two gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> For you guys too. She <laughs> has had such an amazing and transformational journey. And she is here today with us to share some of these transformational experiences, to share with us her approach to trying on different personas and some techniques and tactics that she's used as she's reached these proverbial forks in the road, or if you want to call them identity crises, and how she's overcome those to thrive and survive in her career and in her life. So we welcome you, Heather, to our podcast. Thank you for being here with us today. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Shelby and Trinity. I'm really excited to be here. I love the topic. Um, I listened to some of your other episodes. Like you guys are doing really good work to support, you know, women and and guys. Um, <laughs> right, those two. <laughs> so, hey, all two of them. Hey, you know, support a support. Um, you guys are doing really great work of really normalizing conversation around this kind of, it's a tricky time of life. It's a lot of changes at once and it's hard to navigate. So I just, I love that you guys have these open and really honest and raw conversations and, you know, cover so many topics. And so I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here, coach. Well, speaking of this tricky time in life. 
Uh, we know that we had a little bit of conversation before we jumped on this podcast about some of the transformations and changes that you've been through in life recently. So perhaps you'd share with our audience a little bit about your journey and how you have been navigating this journey as you progress through this stage and stage in life, really. Um, you know, I, uh, at 41, um, my, my dad got really sick with a kind of mystery illness Mm. And um, I went home to take care of him and uh, we found out it was a rare autoimmune disorder called myasthenia gravis. And mm. um, he was in the hospital for, you know, about six weeks and everything. And we got him home and he started doing better. And um, 2018, like I've, I've reinvented myself so many times, like I'm, I'm on Heather Lake 8.0, at least at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was getting ready to start a limo company. And uh, I, I jumped through all the hoops. I started my company and then I found out I had breast cancer at 42. So, um, you know, that was a, a big kick in the pants and it definitely kind of derailed my plans. Um, I survived. I'm, I'm doing really well now. Congratulations. We're happy to hear yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy too. Ladies, get your mammograms. Um, my tumor was seven centimeters long, but it could not be felt by hand. I had no idea anything was there. My doctor, when he felt the area, felt my left breast, he felt nothing. Um, mammogram, you know, res showed abnormalities. They did a biopsy. They said it's stage zero. It turned out to be stage three. It had actually gotten into three of my lymph nodes. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So um, get your mammograms. Uh, yeah. So found, found out that I had uh, breast cancer and went through treatment for that. Uh, at the same time, taking care of my dad, he was in and out of the hospital. I was going through treatment. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, had, I, I had, you know, created this identity away from my father. And, um, you know, all of a sudden I was thrust back into living at home with him, taking care of him, um, you know, getting through this whole thing myself. And uh, then 2020 happened. <laughs> yeah. Good old 2020. Right. Enough no. said. <laughs> no explanation necessary. <laughs> right. But the, the blessing of 2020 is that it allowed me to finally get my coaching business off the ground. And so that's when I started business coaching. And, um, you know, that was, there were a lot of really great things about that. But um, as I became more empowered, my relationship with my father got worse. And in, in 2021, I started studying about narcissism. And I realized that my father was a I don't think he was like pathological, but he had a lot of narcissistic traits and there was a lot of mental and emotional abuse. And uh, so 2021 was a hard year. And then 20, and then the beginning of 2022, he died suddenly. Mm. And so um, in the last six months, it has been this, you know, very freeing thing of like, wow, I'm 46 and I can really define myself completely for myself for the first time in my life, which is amazing. And it's also really scary. Wow. Uh, so that's my transformational. That's probably like Heather 6.0 to 8.0. <laughs> I love it. Heather, can we unpack the narcissism thing? It's a topic that we have not broached on our podcast yet. 
but it is a topic that impacted me significantly in my marriage. See, I'm already crying. I told you I was going to cry. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Right. See, I'm very empathic, but I, I think that narcissism has such a profound impact or it did. And I want to speak for myself on my sense of self my understanding of identity because what I realized in that relationship, in addition to wearing all the hats, the mom hat, the PTO president, the career woman, um, the spouse hat, I also was transforming myself into someone I did not recognize to avoid an argument mm-hmm. and maintain peace and avoid distress in the household. So I suddenly started taking on these different traits and characteristics and trying to become this other person that I thought he would perceive to be perfect so that I could avoid these conflicts. And in the end, I think that was such a deciding factor in my feeling of lost when I exited that relationship and not knowing who I was. So help us understand a little bit how your father's narcissism impacted you because you said something that stood out to me and you said, as I grew more confident Mm -hmm. in myself, Mm -hmm. that then started to bubble up or you started to maybe realize or feel the impact of the narcissistic traits. So tell us a little bit more about that awakening to your own sense of self and the impact that this conflict with the narcissism had. Okay. And I'm, I'm not an, an expert about narcissism. Let me just say that upfront. I joke that I have like a, a master's degree from YouTube university in, in narcissism. <laughs> um, there's a great channel, Dr. Romani. Uh, I think she does a really good job. She is a psychotherapist of, of breaking down and really educating. And the first thing people need to know is that most people think of narcissism as the classic grandiose narcissist. Mm-hmm. And those are the people with the huge egos that, you know, um, are very charming in public, but it's kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you know, type thing, right? And um, what they found is that there's actually a whole kind of spectrum of narcissism. And uh, there can be people that are vulnerable narcissists. They they come across as very timid and very um, low self-esteem, right? But they still have that same, like, manipulative mind games, um, you know, type of, of stuff. So one of the reasons why I, I didn't recognize this in my dad is because he was more of the covert vulnerable type and he was Dr. Jekyll most of the time. And when he was Mr. Hyde, it would come in, he would come in like a sniper and yeah. make just one comment that would just just cut you to the bone and throw you completely off balance. And two seconds later, he was right back to being Dr. Jekyll. And so it was very, you know, uh, Shelby talked about, you know, losing her sense of herself. It instilled a lot of self-doubt in me because it was over almost immediately after it started. And I was like, am I crazy? Did that just happen? You know, mm-hmm. is that like, like, I can't be upset about this because obviously everything's fine, but it's not, you know, because you just got hit by a sniper, you know? Um, so that was, that was his, uh, that was, that was his, uh, his way. Right. And, um, I started in therapy in my early twenties. Um, I went into 12 step in my thirties, um, and then dove heavily into personal growth. And I, and I say in my bio that, Therapy kept me from jumping off a building. Personal growth made it so I didn't want to jump off buildings anymore. Yes. 
And, um, you know, therapy is wonderful. Therapy has its place, but <clears throat> if it hadn't been for personal growth, I don't think I would still be here. Um, so I've been working on myself very steadily for 26 years. And I had gotten rid of all the unhealthy people in my life, except for my dad. And there, mm-hmm. was, there was just some reason I could not let go of that relationship um, and really be honest with myself about how dysfunctional it was. And so uh, when I moved in with him, about a year and a half in, I realized that there were topics that I wasn't comfortable talking to him about. And, you know, after going to a, a personal development event in Chicago, I came home and I said, listen, I don't like it when we talk about this, you know, can we please not talk about this? And, oh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. That's strange. I had no idea that this bothered you. And so I thought, okay, you know, that's fine. But then he would, he loved to test people's boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he would bring the topic up in a slightly different way. And I would say, hey, dad, remember we had this conversation. (laughs) <laughs> and the, the emotional temperature in the in the room in the home would just drop. Mm-hmm. And three hours later, we would have a blow up. Mm-hmm. And it would be this big, long conversation where I restate the boundary. Oh, okay, now I get it. I just didn't understand that you meant all of this topic. I, I thought, you know, I could talk about part of it. No, dad. And so um, it really, in my, my choice was when, he, when he, I could feel him testing me, my choice was to either call him on it and really honor myself or, and, and, but knowing there was going to be a consequence, there was going to be a blow up. Right. Um, or, and I mean, he wasn't violent or anything. He just, he was just very manipulative. Um, he would make me think I was going to lose the roof over my head. And, um, all this time I'm trying to build a coaching business and it's very hard to concentrate and build a business uh, and take care of yourself when you don't, you know, when you're living in a very toxic emotional environment and you don't know if the roof over your head is going to be gone, you know, so it was a catch 22. It's like, I'm trying to work on my business so that I've got the money that I can easily leave, but it's really hard to work on the business when all of this is going on. Um, and I didn't realize, and I think this is often the case and tell me if you ladies can relate. I didn't, I knew the situation was bad. I didn't realize how bad it was until about a month ago. You know, it's like, cause when you're in a situation and you're kind of your baseline of crazy, you're kind of used to it. And as long as things don't go above that baseline, you're just like, oh, it's another day. But when you get out of it for a few months, all of a sudden you're like, that baseline was fucking insane. How, <laughs> yeah. how did yeah. I deal with even the day-to-day crazy? Can you relate? Yes. Totally can relate. And thank you so much for taking that, taking us on that journey with you and taking that rabbit hole with me, because I feel like that is one of those, um, one of those situations that I think so many women have survived, suffered, and are then starting again to realize just how crazy that situation was, or maybe they're still in that situation and feeling very lost And, you know, I love hearing how you applied your boundaries with confidence, because I don't think that that was something that I could ever really do to your point, because I was so fearful in my relationship. I was, and you know, the end of the day, I was afraid that he would divorce me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I needed that relationship for some reason. Um, Otherwise I would fail. 
or whatever was my fear. And in the end, it was I who chose to walk away because I recognized that I wasn't authentic to who I was as an individual. And so I think it's so important that women understand out there that you're not alone and that a lot of us are going through the same sort of, you know, identity crisis, if you will, or just struggle with the narcissistic behaviors. And so I guess my question to you now is then how do you heal from a trauma like that or in any trauma that you've suffered? I know that you've done some trauma work in the past. So tell us a little bit more about how you've healed from those things. Yeah, absolutely. Because I want to talk to you about an exercise that I developed for myself that has been hugely successful with myself and my clients. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And it's very practical. Anybody can do it. But first I want to say, like you were talking about, like, you didn't leave, you didn't leave. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things like in the last month um, that really hit me. And I was like, Heather, you're an idiot. You are so you're an idiot and you're weak. Like you knew this was a fucked up situation. Your friends knew it was a fucked up situation and you stayed. What's the matter with you? And then I had to dial it back and I'm like, this person was highly manipulative and they literally had their hands on you at birth. And so it, it doesn't matter how much your rational mind knows. And I'm not making excuses for myself, but like, it's just hard when somebody has their claws in you that deep. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the really insidious part about the narcissist, narcissistic abuse is that it undermines your faith in yourself. You don't trust yourself and you feel like mm -hmm. you need this person to be okay. Yeah. You know, even if you're making plenty of money and you could walk out at any time, like it's still, they instill that because they need, they need us way more than we need them, but they really know how to, it, it's like they all take classes. It's crazy when you start <laughs> studying it. And you go back and you look and you're like, oh my God, it's like they went and like took classes and like got certified in how to just fuck with people's minds. Like it's crazy, right? Yeah. So um, that's been a big thing this past month is like, how, you know, how can I forgive myself? Because mm -hmm. I had a, I had a therapist point out mm -hmm. in my thirties, she's like, you know, you're continuing a relationship with an abuser. But the term narcissism was never in, introduced okay, by any of the therapists. Mm -hmm. Right. It's only now, you know, starting to get attention and yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I hope that you've been able, have you been able to move past the, the thing? Well, it's about so you funny that you say that um, and you asked the question because it took me probably, I've been divorced now six years. It probably took me five years to move beyond it. And really what it was is it was a guilt that I felt for leaving or a fear or concern that I had discarded um, a relationship that I had misinterpreted. I think you still doubt yourself for so long. And I think that's where I was, that I was still in this space, this headspace of self-doubt that I did the right thing for myself, for my family, or did I just throw away a fabulous relationship that had a few rough years? You know, you sort of because you're right, Heather, because that, that person, my ex-husband was also very covertly narcissistic, could literally be your best friend or your worst enemy. And you just never knew who you were coming home to at night. And it became very crazy making. And so, yeah, that was really, really the difficult thing because it wasn't all bad. There were moments when it was totally joyful. My kids 
love him. Um, he adores, you know, my children and has adored me. And so then you do it, it, you do question your own sanity. Oh, but he did this thing over here. Is this thing real? Because how could this guy that just brought me flowers home for no reason be the same guy that just punched a hole in the wall? Right. Yep. Yep. You know, it was like, I can't leave my dad. He's sick. He took care of me while I was going through cancer treatment. Well, he did, but I was taking care of him while, you know, it was sick too. It wasn't, you know, like he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart. So, you know, and, and, and this is the one thing I'll throw out here to people. What, what I focus on, what I encourage anybody who is, who thinks that they might be dealing with a narcissistic personality, don't worry about the diagnosis so much go and educate yourself on the dysfunctional behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter if they're actually pathologically narcissistic or if they're covert or vulnerable or grandiose or uh, uh, there's a ton of them. It doesn't matter. What matters is that if you can, if you see the stuff that they're doing to you is a part of these dysfunctional behaviors, find a way to put some distance, you know, Mm -hmm. and get yourself some help because it's just, it, the diagnosis doesn't matter. What matters is the, the games that are being played and the horrible effects that it's having on you, having on you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. I've struggled with emotional eating most of my life, but um, I've definitely put on weight while I was with my dad. It, it, it's affecting you a lot more than you realize, you know? Mm. So that's, that's the big thing is, is become aware and then you know, do what you can to get support to put distance if you can. Yeah. And I know you mentioned a YouTube channel. If you can send that to us, we'll put it in the show notes. And I've got a couple of books that I can recommend as well that will help uh, women out there identify those patterns because there are often very clear patterns that are recognizable. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't think I, I, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just haven't done enough self-development or self-realization. I don't think I've had a ton of exposure to individuals that we would classically label as narcissists, right? But I can imagine that exposure to those types of relationships would require a bit of of healing and being able to work through emotions and um, identity challenges that maybe are a result of that relationship that made you feel like you were in the wrong. You were the crazy one. It was all you. And so coming out of that, that a significant amount of healing and transformation and um, getting your self-esteem back, Mm -hmm. um, all of those things would be really, really necessary. And I'm wondering, Heather, if there is, you know, how did you do that? And what can we recommend to our listeners that are facing these same type of crises relationships as as a way to start getting your damn power back and becoming your own hero again and shifting your mindset, rooting out the anger and the pain and the hurt and, and beginning that transformation and healing. Yeah. So you know, as much as I've gotten a ton out of personal growth, um, depending on the the depth of, of trauma and, and how off balance you feel, 
um, I think it can be good to go and find a therapist that actually knows about narcissism. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, my, I have a whole book about how to choose the right coach. Um, and it's just like, you know, with anything, there's people that are experts in what you need. And there's people that are experts in other things that aren't going to be so helpful to you. And there's people that are, might be experts in what you need, but they're not very good at helping you, you know? So the first thing is you got to do your research and, um, you've got to be willing to walk away, you know, if the therapist isn't, you know, if the therapist isn't serving you, but, you know, finding somebody that you can relate to and kind of have that safe, you know, thing, um, the problem with a lot of therapy is that there's no homework mm. that a lot of therapy can be just really like all talk. There's no, there's no exercises. There's no anything to focus on outside. It's just kind of rehashing things. And I haven't found that to be very helpful. Um, but I do think that if you are, are suffering like uh, complex PTSD or PTSD, um, you know, really having a hard time of it, having that therapy container can be really good because if a coach may be able to give you the exercises to help you untangle things, but the therapist can recognize when you're going off the rails, right? So I think that depending on the situation, a combination of like therapy and good coaching, you know, can be, can be really good. So the, the process that I'm about to put myself through again, and I, I went through this years ago, um, and it's actually, it's actually based in 12 step, but it's been tweaked. So that's my thing is like, I find something and if it, if it doesn't work exactly the way I want it to, I tweak it. And so, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can make this better. So, um, so yeah, so there's a structured journaling exercise and, um, it's really super powerful and you could do this definitely about the narcissistic abuser and it would help you to it would help you to start to get clarity on what's really going on. And, and what I love about it is that instead of just journaling about, you know, just kind of vomiting on a page, which there can be value in that, right? But instead of that, you're looking at specific things and it kind of helps to like, it, it, this incident is kind of, um, it's particular incidences with this person can be kind of just stuck and you don't know they're like a ball and, and there's no, there's a ball of twine and you don't know which string to start pulling first. Well, this starts to untangle things so that it's easier to like, let go. Right. The first thing is who, who are you upset with their name? And the second question is what, what are you angry, upset, feeling ashamed? You know, the incident that you're having, you're, you're having a strong emotional response to, and it's stuck no matter what, you can't stop feeling guilt or shame or regret or anger. So you want to do a specific incident. Then you want to look at, does this remind you of anything else? Sometimes, and I think the more, I call them layered resentments or like layered incidences. And I think the more layered they are, the more powerful they are. So if something else comes up in that similar category, it's good to go work through that as well. You know, so becoming aware, like, you know, what was the incident that's, that's still triggering you or you're having problems processing? Two is, does it remind you of anything else? Three would be what emotions are attached to this and just mm -hmm. listing them out. So just really getting clear of all the emotions is really, really powerful because it just, it helps you to see the full spectrum of the situation, yeah. right? And then to look at what is your part in this? How did you contribute to this situation? And the tricky part is 
you're looking at how you contributed to the situation. And the fact that you contributed to it doesn't mean that it's all your fault. It doesn't excuse what they did. We're just looking at how you contributed it so you can understand what actions in your life that maybe you want to do differently. <laughs> so it could be that, that you didn't do anything to incite the incidents, but maybe you have a pattern of dating violent men that you haven't chosen to work on in, in spite of the fact that your family and friends have pleaded with you to, to work yeah. on it. Or maybe it's something as simple as you struggle so deeply with loving yourself that you cr continually create an environment that makes it hard for people to love you, that makes it hard for people to be okay with you because you're so unokay with yourself that you lay that out there for everyone else. Or by the opposite end of the spectrum, I think our issue was that I was a perfectionist, meaning he was feeling, I think, very insecure about himself. Mm. And so when I came in and I had the dinner on the table and the kids bathed and, you know, the house was immaculate, it made him feel insignificant and insecure. Yes. And mm. then he would lash out at me and wanted to make me feel equally as bad as he felt. And mm. so when he lashed out at me, it was my a, a trigger for me to think, oh, something must be wrong. I must have done something wrong. I will be more perfect. And oh, I kept wow. escalating my perfectionism. And the more I escalated my perfectionism, the more that became a trigger for him to feel as though he was not a worthy contributor to the household because I was doing all the things. And it was this vicious circle. But to your point, Heather, I think a couple of things that I just want to extract from the conversation is number one, we all play our part and, and, and we have to take ownership for our choices and decisions in life. Mm -hmm. But also I think there's a space where we at some point recognize we have to identify what is healthy for us. Mm -hmm. And, and I think what you're also saying is that in what I think you're trying to get to with your friend is that she attracted this subset of guys that seem to be very violent. So what is it in her past that is triggering her to feel comfortable and safe because we tend to gravitate toward those things that we know because mm -hmm. that is easy and it feels safe or feels normal if you will if there's is such a thing as quote unquote normal mm -hmm. for us so yeah. how do we break that cycle and how do we move beyond our history and our past mm -hmm. yeah well it, this this process of, of becoming aware is is kind of the first step like you've got to you've got to realize that there's a problem and you've got to realize instead of sitting back and I don't understand and you know I'll put it back on me because you know my friend did have a lot of trauma you know and it was very clear why why she kept doing this she just wasn't doing anything about it and it was frustrating and ultimately I, I had to end the relationship because I, yeah. I don't want a front row seat to your self-destruction you know um because I had I had gotten clean and sober I was you know changing my life and she wasn't ready you know, um, but uh, that, that awareness. And so like, you know, for me, when I was doing this process, you know, for the first time and I had, you know, a mentor helping me with it, um, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I was hanging out with these people and they, and they stole from me. And he, and, and he's like, well, did you know they were trashy people? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, well, that's your part in it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't make it right what they did, but you can't be mad when a thief steals from you if you know they're a thief, you know? So, um, but having, having that awareness and having the courage, and this is where it's really good to have a coach or a therapist, an outside perspective, somebody who's going to help you see the truth, but not let you beat yourself up with it, right? Have you ever heard the, if you're going to beat yourself up, don't use a bat, use a feather? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it's, it's not about beating yourself up, but it is that becoming aware. And then the last part of the exercise is to say, okay, what am I going to do differently from now on? Or what resources do I need to make this change? Because sometimes you're, you're going through the process and your part in it, you know, especially if it was like childhood abuse, you didn't have a part in that, but your part as an adult is that you're not doing anything to heal it. And you're allowing that abuse to continue to run your life. So, you know, with my dad, I very much had to put blinders on to not see the inappropriate parts of his behavior so that I can maintain this relationship because I just really just felt like I had to have him in my life. And the result was that a, a lot of the really negative people that I've allowed into my life, it's because I had those blinders on so tight and I couldn't take them off. You can't have blinders on for just one person. If you've got blinders up, it's going to blind you to everything. So keeping those blinders up, that's, you know, my part doesn't excuse my dad for being manipulative and emotionally and mentally abusive, but that's my part in it. And I can't control him. I can just control me. Right. So I had a really bad month in June. It was a really, really hard month, a lot of depression and anxiety. I'm, I'm going to go see a therapist to do some EMDR. I am, I am getting some therapeutic help. I am, you know, talking to a lot of people. I've done some intensives with people that specialize in narcissism. So the way that I've been able to heal and be as sane as I am is just from trying everything. If it didn't, if it doesn't sound harmful, I will try it. <laughs> Because not, not everything works for everybody or some things may work better for some people, or maybe you've got a better practitioner at this thing than that thing, you know, whatever. But the place that my stubbornness has really, really served me has been in my physical and mental health and just not giving up. Like there is a fucking answer somewhere and I'm not giving up until I find it. So just to kind of tie a bow on this conversation, I, what I've heard you say is in order to heal it's partly about knowing what is your past and how that thread has carried through to your present day. And you can use the structure journaling exercise to really start to reflect on where are you today? Where have you been? And what are you still carrying on your back? Mm -hmm. And changing that narrative. The other piece that I heard you say is it's about looking to the future. Transformation is about identifying your new story. What is it that you want to be or do in future. And then if you know what is your destination, then you can try and figure out what's the best route to get mm -hmm. to that end destination. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of trying different things because I really genuinely think that in the trying, we find ourselves. And I think that's really powerful. Wonder. Absolutely. And having professional support and, you know, you want to surround yourself with people that are on a growth path that are cheering you on, that believe in, in growth and believe that healing can happen. Mm -hmm. I think those are all really, really important. I love that. And so if our listeners are wanting to surround themselves with new folks that are on a growth path and want to seek you out, Heather, where could they find you? 
So mostly on Facebook. Um, so it's facebook.com slash Heather Wild coach. And I'm mostly doing business coaching right now, but I have done transformational coaching in the past. I've done that with some of my business clients. So, you know, and if I'm not the right person for you, I'm more than happy to refer you to somebody who can help. I never take clients that I'm not the right fit for. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's the sign of a great coach. We want to thank you for sharing your story and your journey, and especially the techniques around journaling and how we can begin to take our first steps of overcoming and coming up the other side. Because I honestly believe at the end of every trauma or tragedy or difficult time, there is freedom and there is joy and there is new life on the other side. And sometimes we really got to put the work in to get there but it's there. So we appreciate you spending your time with us today and giving us some more tools in our tool belt to um, bring that to life for ourselves and get to the other side. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate you having me on and I love this conversation and um, I just hope it's really helpful to your audience. My, My biggest thing is healing is out there. Transformation is out there. You just have to be stubborn enough to get it. Let's thank our guest today, Heather Wild-Smith, who shared with us some valuable tips and tricks to overcoming your challenges and living the best life you want. Number one, if you believe you're in a narcissistic relationship, evaluate the behaviors and find a way to put some distance in between you and the narcissist. Number two, use structured journaling as a way to heal. Structured journaling includes the steps, name the person you're upset with, Identify observable behaviors to which you are having a strong emotional response. Identify what else this incident may remind you of. Name the emotions that are showing up for you. Identify how you contributed without taking responsibility for the other person's behaviors. And define what you'll do differently or what resources you need to make a change. And last, be stubborn in your healing. Try everything you need to do to find the right fit or solution for you, and then surround yourself with people who are on the same growth path. Thanks again to our guest today, Heather Wildsmith. And if you're enjoying the Dear Midlife podcast, please leave us a review.